This is Jeff Cross, and welcome to the July 12, 2022 edition of Views on the News from the Couch, a baby boomer's attempt to pass along his views on the news. Most days I wake up in the morning, log on to my computer, and start searching the news. I find some quick bits of news and put those in the quick hitters. The ones that get me thinking go in the moving on section. Eventually I have enough and start editing. Other days when I want to explore a subject, it's a journey. Today is a real journey day, and I don't know where it will take me. I started last week wondering if some are doing a disservice to the youth of America by being so supportive of the trans phenomena, and that others were doing a disservice by not calling bullshit. Seriously, I wonder if 10 years from now a whole group of folks will say, how on earth did you let us do that to ourselves? You were the adults. At a birthday party, someone talked about lobotomies. Yep lobotomies, and they are no joking matter, as I would rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Lobotomies were quite the rage in the 40s, not so much now. The friend at, a par at the party was talking about how evil Joe Kennedy was for having lobotomized his daughter. I wondered if a parallel could be drawn between frontal lobotomies and trance operations, but wondering does not cut it. I have to do some research. Off we go on our journey. I'm sure some of what I am about to say is not accurate, or I'm reaching, but I think I'm onto something. Let's take a quick look into the history of lobotomies. A Portuguese doctor named Igas Moniz introduced a surgery known as prefrontal leucotomy, which we call a lobotomy. He was no quack. In the 20s, that would be the 1920s, he developed the cerebral angiography. This involved a catheter being located to the carotid artery to inject dye so an x-ray can give a better picture of blood flow in the brain. At the time he developed the lobotomy, there was not much in the way of treatment for schizophrenia. They tried different things like putting patients into diabetic comas, electroshock treatment, etc., but none were very effective. And this was a big issue. The linked article by Bingt Jansen in Medicine says, quote, In 1946, nearly one half of the public hospital beds were devoted to the mentally ill, end quote. So there was a need, at least until 1952, when a drug treatment for schizophrenia came out and the number of lobotomies declined. How did a lobotomy work? The good doctor initially injected alcohol and later made cuts to separate the connection between other parts of the brain and the prefrontal region. This sounds like a crazy idea, but it seemed to help with the treatment of schizophrenia and also depression. The good doctor received a Nobel Prize for this treatment in 1949. How well did the operation work? In the same linked article, quote, a survey of all patients who underwent leucotomy in England and Wales from 1942 to 1954, uh, Tooth et al. 1961, documented 10,365 single leucotomy operations. An additional 762 patients underwent more than one operation. A follow-up study covering 9,284 of the above-mentioned patients showed that 41% had recovered or were greatly improved, while 28% were minimally improved, 25% showed no change, 2% had become worse, and 4% had died. Might call that worse. Not surprisingly, patients with an affective disorder showed the best prognosis was 63% recovered compared to 30% among schizophrenic patients, end quote. 
So I started this journey thinking lobotomies were nuts. Now I wondered if not so much, but glad we don't need them anymore. To put a human face on this, let's look at John Kennedy's father, Joe Kennedy, and John's sister, Rosemary. Joe was a bad man. There are so many stories about him where he just sucks. One I feel is a bit unfair to Joe is the treatment of his daughter, Rosemary. The Kennedys do a good job of cleaning up their history, but I think this is fairly accurate. Rosemary was born slow. Per Wikipedia, in 1918, when Rosemary was born, the doctor was delayed getting to the hospital. I read two different accounts where either the nurse told the mother, Rose, to keep her legs squeezed tightly together to delay childbirth for two hours until the doctor arrived, or that a nurse stuck her hand up the birth canal and pushed on the baby to keep birth from happening. That seems wild, and I wonder if some learned medical professional will call BS on me for passing along nonsense. Anyway, Rosemary's slow development was attributed to lack of oxygen during those two hours. Rosemary was slow, but with hard work and good tutors, she made progress and was being trained to be a teacher's aide. Due to the war, the Kennedys left England, returned to the U.S., and Rosemary did not react well to her new environment. The article by Katie Serena in All That's Interesting says Rosemary, quote, was becoming increasingly irritable and difficult, end quote. She was also sneaking out of the convent to go to bars, meet men, and go home with them. Horrors. Joe Kennedy seemed to have been convinced by a leading lobotomist that the surgery would help Rosemary Kennedy. In reading about Dr. Walter Jackson Freeman II, I learned that he was not a surgeon, so his partner would do the surgeries. That was until the ice pick lobotomy was developed, where they would go through the eye socket just away from the eye, break through a thin bone, and try to accomplish the same effect. It was awful sounding, and the doctor that was not a surgeon was allowed to perform that procedure. I'm not sure which form of the surgery Rosemary had, but it was a disaster. She was partially paralyzed and had a significant decrease in mental ability. I thought lobotomies were awful, but maybe they had their place in the right circumstance and by a legit doctor when few alternatives existed. Still makes you wonder about the follow the doctors and follow the science. Let's talk transgender. The next linked article is an opinion piece by John Grimaldi in AMAC, Association of Mature American Citizens. His opening caught my eye. Quote, The parents of an 18-month-old baby girl in England decided that she was actually a boy, gave her a boy's name, and now that the child is four years old, they've registered her at a sex chain clinic for treatment when she reaches puberty. End quote. Can we agree that's crazy? The author talks about the significant number of children that are considering the surgery. I am reminded of Bill Maher's comments on this subject. He said when he was seven he wanted to be a pirate, but is glad his parents held off on amputating a leg and poking out one of his eyes. The author cites a number of examples of schools working with kids to encourage this sort of thinking and to keep the information from parents. The article gives several quotes from a Dr. Marciano on this subject who says we are experiencing a psychic epidemic of young people suddenly believing they were born the wrong body. In other words, the young people had no prior history of this. Her conclusion, quote, reports online indicate that a young person's coming out as transgender is often preceded by an increased social media use and or having one or more peers also come out as transgender. These factors suggest that social contagion may be contributing to the significant rise in the number of young people 
seeking treatment for gender dysphoria, end quote. Jonathan Van Maren reviews Abigail Schreier's book in the American Conservative. It is titled, quote, The Transgender Craze is Creating Thousands of Young Victims, end quote. I believe the book is a year or two old. She starts by saying transgender was at about 0.002% or 0.003% in girls, but is now at 2%. Most seem to come to the trans idea because of internet influencers or peers. Once one person in a peer group came out as trans, others did. Hey, I know it could be that they felt that way and were scared to come to grips with reality. Or it could be like pet rocks and beanie babies. Everyone suddenly wants to get on the, in on the action. The book also goes through the ill effects of puberty blockers. A few years ago, anorexia was a big thing amongst girls. The last link asks, is transgender the new anorexia? and relies on work by Brown University professor Lisa Littman in a publication called Binary. Professor Littman published a study on ROGD, Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria. She argues it is a social contagion and gives examples. What I found fascinating is the comparison to anorexia. But there is a key difference when talking about anorexia. School support professionals and medical professionals did not or do not line up to say, hey, great idea, you should starve your body. Anyway, I wandered all over the place, and there is a limit to how much time I have. And I can be criticized for some of my news sources on the trans issue. They lean way right. Maybe that indicates a problem with my approach to this, this subject, or that they are the only ones trying to address what may be a major issue. What are my takeaways from this journey? One, doctors are good, but there is a reason they say practicing. Sometimes they get it wrong, and hopefully they quickly learn and do better. Two, we've done some crazy stuff in the past. Maybe lobotomies weren't as crazy as I thought, but I do think the jump to puberty blockers and trans surgery is happening way more often than it should. Three, most of our mothers, not so much our fathers, asked us if we would jump off a cliff just because our friends did. There was a reason they asked that, because we were more likely to do something stupid if our friends did. The social contagion theory is not a stupid theory. It might be right in this case. Four, Florida never passed a don't say gay bill. They passed a don't talk to my second grader about cutting off his willy bill. And the state and Governor DeSantis were excoriated for that. Why? Why is the left so worried about a countervailing, countervailing thought that seems so reasonable? Five, Maybe, just maybe, the significant increase in trance is due to non-gender factors, and it is up to the adults to be adults. Hey, I'm not talking about that very small percentage who were born in the wrong body. I'm talking about the kids who don't know who they are and may make a dramatic change before they figure it out. This isn't like cutting off some of your hair to make a mohawk. Hair grows back. Six, most of us roll our eyes on this subject and move on. But if 2% of girls are seriously thinking that they may be trans, should we ignore this phenomenon? I'm okay with encouraging them to talk about their feelings. Get with professionals. Maybe talk about that most of us were uncomfortable with our bodies during those years. 7. Let's dial back the confirmation and willingness to take action. I'm done. Congratulations if you made it this far. Maybe don't share this epi episode. It could scare people. <laughs>